uh, we actually ran out of toilet paper back in March, and there was a guy with like a overcoat. And when you when he opens his overcoat, he had toilet paper all over it. Like, <laughs> like it's it's like stuff that you see in like TV shows and movies, but never in real life. And he's just like, yeah, you buy one roll, one dollar. I'm like, what? One roll of a dollar? <laughs> Hey guys, with everyone's busy schedule, time is of the essence, which is why we created this weekly podcast to give you quick insights on politics, business, and even technology. So whether you're working from home or whether you're on the road, join us as we talk about different events that occurred during the week. My name is Jasegan, and with me I have Aaron and Arius, and we're Disseminate. So let's jump right in. Hello, my name is Aaron, and welcome to Season 2 of Disseminate News. Tonight, Jasegan and Arius will be joining me. Jazz, how are you doing tonight, man? Dang, I'm I'm well, gentlemen. Season two, can you believe it? <laughs> I I didn't expect to get this far right now. I thought we were gonna call it quits. I know, man. Another day, another dawn. <laughs> oh man, it's it's crazy. Look, the amount of topics that we have today, whether we talk about China or we talk about privacy or some or even a PSA about COVID vaccines, like we got some interesting topics today. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. So remember, guys, uh, like, share, subscribe. Follow us on Disseminate. Yes, please. We finally got our first follower on Twitter. And we look <laughs> hoping that we'll get many more. So uh, like Arius said, like, share, and subscribe. Yep. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Disseminate News. Awesome. So, guys, before we start the podcast, what I do want to tell the audience, because this has been popping up in the news, is that the COVID vaccine is not available for purchase. Like, please do note this. No one is selling this online. And if they are, it is a scam. We do not want you to be injecting yourself with fake medications. Uh, There is a rollout policy. Things are being done. There are people who are getting the vaccine first, and we kind of have to deal with it. So please do not purchase the vaccine on any sources that you see online. Nice. Nice, Jazz. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, you'd be pretty crazy if you're buying stuff online like that. I, it's it's scary because you think about it. Um, everyone's in that stage where like, oh, maybe we can get the COVID vaccine. So imagine how much like illegal things are going on with this right now. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I think they're definitely turning it into like a money making uh, venture. I know I've mentioned that before on the podcast and offline, but I mean even more so because now you get these like these shady uh, dealers selling something. I don't know. I mean, I don't, who knows what they're selling uh, in hopes that they can make money and poison you at the same time. You know, uh, you like, you say shady uh, dealers and it's the funniest thing ever. So like my local no frills, uh, we actually ran out of toilet paper back in March and there was a guy with like a overcoat. And when you, when he opens his overcoat, he had toilet paper all over it. Like, <laughs> like it, it's like stuff that you see in like TV shows and movies, but never in real life. And he's just like, yeah, you buy one roll, one dollar. I'm like, what? One roll of a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, That's actually pretty cheap. If you, if you, uh, if you remember how much in demand toilet paper was at that time. You're right not just toilet paper but also like uh hand sanitizer masks and gloves like it was insane like we all we had that whole phase of like fake m95 or n95 masks as well mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's crazy but um arius i know you wanna i know you wanna roll with the punches and jump onto china so what do we got today <laughs> all right so here, here here here's a story uh set up 
so in the last six in the last in the last six years, uh, Modi, who's the uh, Indian Prime Minister, has been meeting with uh, the Chinese President Z, eighteen times over the last six years, and uh, he's been doing it to, in hopes of fostering friendlier relations between China and India, um, but there's also like Pakistan that's kind of in the middle and and kind of awkward. Um, but I found this very interesting because this is on, uh, you, you guys uh, can find this on Mint, mint.com. Um, it's like a, an Indian newspaper. But anyway, so in May, this is, we're talking last May, 2020, um, while the COVID thing was just raging on, um, the Himalayan winter recedes, the snow melts, and to India's shock, they find that the Chinese forces um, have occupied hundreds of square kilometers uh, of borderlands in the north, northernmost Ladakh region. So, to their surprise, they have these encroaching forces uh, backed by thousands of troops in the rear, and they had totally seized mountaintops and other strategic vantage points, and the People's Liberation Army had established forward bases, blocking India's access to areas along the disputed frontier that had been under its exclusive jurisdiction. And that is something that we have not... I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard that in the news, and I don't even think... I mean, I would, I would bet money to see if any of our listeners have heard anything like that. Because it's just something that hasn't really been talked about. And so that kind of has made me think that, you know, I don't, like people like to point the, the finger at China for a lot of things. And sometimes I kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, oh boy, here we go, like another blame game. Mm-hmm. But but this is but this is interesting. like. You have two countries with the the world's largest populations, and now they're starting to go head to head. That's interesting because, you know, you're right. Like you don't hear stuff about like India and China in the news. Generally, you hear something like U.S. and China, and when we talk about U.S., we generally talk about Trump versus China. Um, so, so you said sorry. You mentioned they've met how many times? So the two the two uh, leaders have yeah. met six no sorry eighteen times in the last six years so probably about three three a year, um, and there there's history here so like to give our listeners some background, um, the borders these borders between like China and India have sort of been in dispute um, going back to like nineteen forty nine when there was sort of like a a mini war i mean i don't i don't know if you could even call it a war but just like just a terror like a turf war essentially yeah um and so that sort of i think was the beginning of of the end of 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 their relations and i i think modi has been trying to soften things and, and strengthen the relationship there um but then Oh, you know, over the last little while, China's started starting to overreach their boundaries. And uh, I mean, according to this article, there was like a, a battle that left 20 Indian soldiers um, dead, 20 Indian soldiers dead. 
uh, in mid-June. Wow. You, you know what's crazy, Aries? I'm just looking at an article on um, South China Morning Post, and you're right. They're showing high altitudes um, of soldiers in China scaling a mountain. Like, this is crazy. Um, and it's ironic. Like you said, it's not in the news, which is interesting. Uh, no, I know. And it's, it's, it's funny because... I mean, India is starting to build up a military too. Like they, it's definitely in, in their, I guess, best interest, but also their goals to start building military. I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago, India finally got an aircraft carrier and it was like a big deal to them, um, which is something that Canada doesn't have. <laughs> and we have like oceanic borders, but um, not many, funny enough, not many countries do have aircraft carriers. So for India to accomplish that feat is pretty is pretty crazy. Um, you know, I, I have a, a theory here. Um, looking at this article, it says here that soldiers are on both sides of the Himalayas, and it seems like these troops are scaling the Himalayas. What if war was to break out in the Himalayas, which are the highest mountain peaks in the world? And let's say, you know, God forbid, you know. Um, some type of explosion was to happen in the Himalayas, which is has a lot of resources to the Kashmir region and the India-China region. Um, what do you think would happen to the climate if the mountains were to be destroyed? There it is. Oh man, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm no expert in this field, but uh, well. That's- that's a good question. I, I think for sure the the weather patterns are going to be all off course in that area. I mean, is it is it going to tr- ripple effect over to the Western world? I, I have no idea. But, um, I know I remember hearing back. I don't. know, This was several, probably like a decade ago. Um, there was some like crazy pollution that had floated from like China over to to the west like it kind of just crossed over the ocean but it was it was pretty it was pretty low like it wasn't devastating by any means but because the mountains are so high that like the pollution is just floating right across like the ocean like high up in the sky but then once it hits the land it just kind of gets caught by the tall mountains and then just it just kind of cycles into the into the lowlands right yeah Go ahead, Jasegan. I feel like you have a point here. No, I, I was just going to say um, India's climate's already very hot itself. If there was to have some sort of war breakout in the Himalayas, wouldn't that increase the temperatures as well significantly? The Bing, Cha-ching, yes. And <laughs> you passed the test. Man, yes. I should have <laughs> bet on the lottery today. But I, <laughs> Sorry, go I on. Was, honestly, I think this is a shocking article because, like, I'm look. It's funny, Arius broke this news. I had no idea this was going on. And you think about it, like, even if these guys had war in the past, what would war look like in the future? Now that, you know, military and weapon is modernized, you know, there's a lot more different capabilities. Like, these guys could cause a lot of damage and, and, and mess up the region, but not just the region, the entire world and the weather patterns, if you think about it. Um, you know, uh, so this is actually really big news, and the fact that the news is not reporting is kind of shocking. But, you know, Aaron, I know we've talked about China before, and, like, 
and we we've talked about how China is. I mean, I, like I don't know. At least I know you seem to be an advocate of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like China is trying to to take their currency to the next level and to overpower the U.S. currency. Um, and I I mean I I feel like this is probably common knowledge, but not talked about often is that China is pro is trying to make uh, economic moves to be the next superpower or at least a, a competing superpower with the U.S. So, I mean, this, like, not, and I think, like, from this article, it's it's not even just business. It's, like, they're taking military advancements as well. At least, I mean, it's encroaching. I mean, I don't know, like, well, how else can you put it? It's really just encroaching in, like, small, you know, insignificant ways. Like, this news will never get covered in the West. It Like, this is, I don't know, how old is this article? I actually just read it a couple of weeks ago. Um... Mm, where is it oh december 31st wow okay so <laughs> this is uh this is at the end of the year but like you don't ever hear about this stuff so like what's going on like are like kind of like i mean i don't think this is gonna happen but like what if china just like came over the west and just started war right like pff, nobody saw that one coming but maybe we did if we actually follow the news on the other side of the world you know areas Oh man, you just bring up something to me, which is, um, it's, it's so, it just reminded me of something. So I don't know if a lot of people even realize what's going on with Hong Kong and China. And first of all, I'm not an advocate of China's dollar, just to clarify there, but this is the future of, um, of, uh, currency and uh, state backed currency. However, uh, Aries, if you you've been following what's been going on in Hong Kong, right? I don't know if you've kind of been paying attention or roughly knowing like there's been protests and so on and so forth, right? But uh, a few weeks back, China basically entered Hong Kong and pretty much enforced some new rules where the protesters can't do certain things, and it, it's kind of like they've taken Hong Kong's independence away from them. Although there's a, I know there's a certain treaty they had with uh, the UK, which is supposed to expire, I think by like 2050 or something like that. So we've, yeah. Yeah. sorry, go ahead, Aries. Well, and did you also, I mean, I'm just adding here, did you also hear about the, the agreement between China and the EU? No. What is that about? All right. Well, that, I mean, that's another, like, this, this is another big agreement that hasn't been talked about in the West. And I think probably because, uh, I mean, I say West, and I'm, I'm, I kind of really just mean the Americans, but I think Canada's just kind of involved too because we piggyback off the Americans. Um, so, like, this stuff doesn't get covered, I think, because the U.S. probably just kind of put their foot in their mouth when it came to dealings with China. And so China has kind of pivoted a little bit to strike up this huge deal with the European Union to do business instead of having, I guess, the states as the sole customer quote unquote and so now the european union is sort of stepping up as like the next customer the next client for china um to be honest i really don't have all the details on that i just know that it's something that has been um not covered in the western media and and i think that's kind of obvious from your response too is it's just something you don't hear about 
it's but you see that to me would be stupid on on Europe's part. It's like putting all their eggs in um uh, in, one in, in one basket. Yeah, like it's uh to me it doesn't make sense that Europe would sign a big trade deal, but again, I guess seeing um what happened with Donald Trump, it does kind of make sense too. Um from that perspective. However, um going back to Hong Kong going back to seeing how china encroached on hong kong i've been hearing a lot of stuff in the news lately that china's next target is taiwan and i want to talk a little bit about taiwan and its strategic importance um there's a number of reasons why china wants taiwan you know number one you know i guess you would say it's uh, common cultures um in terms of you know, where it's located geographically, it can kind of insulate them. Um, and there's many other reasons in terms of the waterways. It's an economic powerhouse. But I don't think a lot of people realize that our chips from our phones, most of the phones in the world are made in Taiwan. So like the Snapdragons and the iPhone chips are made in Taiwan. And imagine if China was to invade Taiwan. They would change the outlook in terms of mobile business in terms of like how we our cell phones how we use them and and things of that sort yeah i think uh, i think so i think i think if you ask a, a mainland or chinese person if taiwan is part of china they'd probably tell you yes <laughs> so i mean it, i think you could probably argue that taiwan is already part of china <laughs> but i know uh i mean I don't know if we all believe that, but yeah, you have a good point. I think that could be China's next target. And but but the fact that you're assuming that that's going to be China's next target also also means that Hong Kong's already done, right? I mean, like is is Hong Kong has it been conquered? Like is it has it been a conquered uh, island now? Well, yeah, it is cuz the Chinese are there. Like they've rested um I can't remember. He was a big mo- um, tycoon, a media tycoon, who spoke out against the Chinese government. They locked him up. They locked out um, some of the the head of the protests or the opposition in Hong Kong who was speaking out against, um, I guess you say, the chief executive officer of Hong Kong. They've locked up a lot of people that were pro- protesters and students, and it's like it's been they've been silencing their voices. And the reason why I'm saying all this that Taiwan's are next their next target because if they conquer Taiwan, let's just say that, or let's say when they conquer Taiwan, who's to say they won't go to the West next, like you said? Because then it's just open field for us here in the West. A lot of people don't realize all these islands like Japan and Taiwan, they insulate us to some degree because what people don't realize is uh, U.S. military bases on, like for example, South Korea, Japan, I'm not too sure if there's a military base on Taiwan, but I do believe there's a lot of um, military cooperation. But the minute China invades Taiwan, I think the West needs to wait, really wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah, although I like, I don't know. I don't. I really don't think that China's going to come over to the West in a in a militaristic fashion, but. I think that they would take the approach of more of a business approach where 
I mean, I guess you could even you could say that now, like they're coming over and buying our real estate and jacking up our real estate prices, right? And then essentially that's, you know, Chinese owned land. <laughs> and then before you know it, they've owned uh, like all of Canada. Although I, I don't really, I don't really buy that, but I think, I think you could probably find some, some dude who believes it. But I think that China is probably going to come in as more of a, as a, as a business maneuver to take control. Okay, not, like so, I'm, not, I'm not talking political control. I'm, I don't mean political control. I just mean like it's just like their presence is going to be felt. It's going to be known. It's going to be seen. Okay, but hold on. If they're buying up all our real estate and assets and they have and their companies are coming over here, don't they have political control? Yeah, I mean, that's a good that's a good point. You know, I don't know if we talked about this before, but China also owns a whole bunch of ports like in Canada and in the US. Yeah. And so when they're controlling the ports, they're controlling the traffic that's coming in and out, right? The exports and imports that are coming into the Western continents. Yeah. And they own these ports. And I mean, that's that's something that isn't talked about either. Like, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what the heck our Canadian prime ministers are like thinking when they like decide to sell the 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 port real estate over to like a foreign country like like what like what the heck <laughs> so I, I i heard on the news today um that going forward i can't remember who it was the economist said that going forward in the near future there's going to be there's no longer going to be one superpower it's he, he was predicting i can't remember his name but he was predicting that there will no longer be one superpower it will be a world with two superpowers, which will, chances are, will be the U.S. and China. And one thing he did bring up was that China is an interesting country in a sense where they're running out of out of a lot of natural resources. I don't know if people know that. Because if you look at Western China, it's very desert-like. There's a billion people. Oh, yeah. And that too, right? That's a great point. There's a lot of people. It's running out of resources. Um, most of China is actually desert for those that don't know um, Eastern China, it has a lot more, it's more mineral based. So what's their next option? They buy businesses around the world, Jasegan, do they invade the U.S.? Like as we've seen last week, the U.S. has shown a lot of weaknesses in its its institutions, like the Capitol buildings, which to say that they couldn't do it with the help of Russia. I'm just, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm just showing you the reality of the situation. Like last week was was an interesting thing where we saw, you know, hard points or institutions which are supposed to be guarded and they weren't guarded from, you know, a crowd of 500,000 people. Who's to say that China couldn't invade the U.S., you know, with the help of allies and stuff like that, Jasegan? You know, that's that's an interesting point. And I'm, I'm, I kind of want to go back to the whole business part where like the states has already banned Huawei and Huawei is a Chinese brand. So do you think if China was to ever come attack, like the U S and other countries would start just banning every type of product that was made in China? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so because I, I think, I think that Huawei ban was more for the U S to maintain a monopoly over 5g rather than having China come over and, and take over if that makes any sense i don't think so because uh for another reason if what Arius said is true about uh europe and china having some big economic agreement and chances are some type of free trade agreement whether china 
attacks the U.S. or not, there's nothing that Europe can do because, you know, there, there's certain things that China could do once Europe is in their system. Like, they could impose tariffs and stuff like that. Like, you're not going to sway China's decision unless most of the world decides to turn their back on China. And I don't see the most of the world doing that because most countries depend on China now. Yep. So I think how China has strategically positioned itself from like what Aries was saying, a business standpoint, it wouldn't make sense to to speak out against China because like they own a lot of the resources in your country. They can do a lot of damage to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's interesting that China is like, when we go back to that article I shared at the beginning, China's afraid of, of an agreement between the U.S. and India. And I, I really can't comment on the relations between India and, and the U.S., although I don't, I don't think they're super strong, but I don't think they're fragile either. Um, but if, if, the U, if, if the U.S. and India can maintain a strong relation, I think that could put China in the corner, and I think they know it too. Because now you have, you have like one of the most powerful countries in the world siding with another country that has like the biggest population in the world. And there's a lot of potential, like people don't give India enough credit. I think if India could really pick themselves up on their feet and maybe even pattern their economics after China, not in a communist level, but like in in the people's technology. No, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, not like that. I mean, I mean, in a manufacturing concept, if India can, can manufacture and, and, take it to that kind of level, I think it could probably do a lot of good. Although not, although we know that India takes more of the, the tech approach. They're like the call center country. They're the, the, the center <laughs> yep. that, that, that um, gets involved in, in your tech problems, you know, your, your sub- customer support. So like that, I mean, that's fine. I, I think that's okay, but like it's not, like there's so much more potential and there's a lot of good resources in India. Like people don't give India enough credit. Like they're like the biggest, um, what do you call it? Like they're the biggest gold diggers, but I don't say that. (laughs) I don't say that in a, in a bad way. I mean, like they just, (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean it in that in a relationship way. I mean, they just, they, they're constantly um, harvesting gold and finding gold yeah. uh, right alongside Africa. And, but they just have like tons of resources and, and, and the warm climate offers a lot of potential for um, uh, like fertile land and stuff. I mean, Aries, you're right. Like the thing is outsourcing to India is definitely the most cheapest option out there. Right. The thing is even, even like projects at work and stuff, most of our competitors are generally Indian competitors because of their rates being significantly cheaper. So if they can expand into different markets and not just IT tech support and stuff like that, I can, I think they can be a huge powerhouse. Yeah, I I think so too. Uh, But I think Modi's kind of shooting themselves in the back because he's sort of, I mean, people complain about Trump, but I think Modi's Modi's like, uh, he's on a whole nother level. Yeah. Modi's crazy, man. (laughs) <laughs> so, so maybe maybe we should give the listeners a little perspective and maybe we should give me a little perspective on Modi as well like what like 
you make it sound like he's worse than Trump. Uh, uh, Aries, do you want to comment or do you want me to comment? I mean, well, I know he's, I, I mean, at least from what I read, but I mean, it could be biased news too, but Modi just seems to be very uh, pro-Hindu, which, you know, there's nothing wrong about wanting to live your, live your religion. Uh, but I, I get the impression that it's to the point where he wants to push out other religious groups right out of India. Yeah, and, that's what and I've you heard. Get, and, and you get cases like, and this is another... Uh, this is this was another situation that just wasn't widely covered that I read about a year or year and a half ago, um, in the province of Kashmir, which has always been sort of a disputed province between Pakistan and India. Um, Modi just kind of flipped the lights right off, and and he just blacked out the whole province and turned off the internet too. Don't forget he turned that. off everything. Yeah, he turned off the internet. He turned off the phones, and people started to like freak out and, and people started to like drain the ATMs for money and the gas stations weren't being refilled with oil and so there's like no oil to fill up your car and so he just started to shut down things shut things down and then start he sent the military in and even I like to this day I don't even know like we don't know what happened. Like we don't know I, I've heard some underground articles that that there was violence involved. Yeah. Um but like we don't know. And in that same year that that happened, uh, Modi had, had done countrywide blackouts. Like it was like in the, it was in the triple digits. It was over like a hundred times that year, just randomly just boom, just turns it off. Um, we don't know why. I mean, who knows what the heck he's doing behind the, behind the scenes, but there's just some like, you know, strange activity like that. Like he, he's really attacking the Muslims on that front too. And, and once he pushes out the Muslims, then like, who's next? Like the Punjabis are there, right? Like India is just full of so many different religions. Yeah. And so you, it's a tough country to rule because you're just, it's a, it's a juggling act. You got all these like religious groups that, you know, want independence and stuff. But anyways, so, I mean, what are your thoughts, Jazz? I mean, so... Are you saying that Modi essentially does not want diversity? Like he just wants one race in India, that's it. And he kind of just wants to control them as well? That's what it appears like. I mean, I've heard that he's he's sort of aiming for like Hindustan, like the Hindu the Hindu nation. I don't, I mean, that's, I mean, let me, <laughs> I'll Google isn't this up just to, just to that, fact check this. Well, I mean, maybe this is a terrible comparison, but isn't that a little reminiscent of like Hitler, of like just wanting only one type of ethnicity or race? Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, I'm I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to. I'm always hesitant to say, "Oh, that guy's like Hitler." Yeah. Oh boy, no, he's you're like right. Hitler, like you know, like people always say that about Trump, and I'm like, that's 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 bogus um but like like hitler was his was was a villain in his own right <laughs> and yeah. uh and i don't but like definitely there's there's similarities there between modi and hitler and especially when it comes to this like one face one race wow that you said that right one face one race that's down i don't think yeah, and, and, 
Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I was gonna say I, I just don't think that he is like Hitler, but I think he again, like we were saying last week, he probably has some similarities, like you were saying, areas. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and uh, and just going back, just going back to China here. So here's another here's another topic. Have you guys heard about what happened, to Jack Ma? No. Uh, you heard, do you guys know? Yeah. yeah, he disappeared. Nobody knows Jess, what happened to him. No, I know. Jazz, do you know who Jack Ma is? I have no idea, so please educate me. <laughs> All right, so he's, he's the, the founder and CEO of Alibaba. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Like the, the Chinese version of Amazon, essentially. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so he... Here, like, here's another example of an article that has not really been covered. But he's he's in hiding right now. Like nobody knows where he is. He's he's been he's disappeared since October twenty twenty. Do you know why though, Arius? It, it, it's because he spoke out against the Chinese government um, <laughs> and their banking policies, and this is related to their cryptocurrencies. Yeah, I. Uh, it, is it was it related to cryptocurrency? I was it just was reading this. Yeah, yeah it, it has to do with cryptos, but it has to do with some other, not just cryptos, but it's actually, he spoke about a lot of different things, like around banking and stuff like that. And on top of that, he was supposed to do launch the biggest IPO in history. And they kind of thwarted that, the Chinese government. But I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, you, you got to, yeah, that's what I'm reading here on this article. So um, where is this from? This NPR. Anyways, I got some article here. Basically, what you said. So he he's been preparing for this this IPO for Ant Financial, um, which used to be AliPay. So you got Alibaba, which is like it's the Amazon equivalent to China, except Alibaba is like the Amazon for wholesalers, not for the individual customer. Yeah. And then you have AliExpress, which is the Amazon. I mean, I guess you could say it's probably like Amazon's direct competitor. It's yep. like the Amazon version, but for customers. Although that's where you get a lot of drop shippers. Like a lot of drop shippers will use AliExpress. Um, I think there's a few other subsidiaries that are kind of under the Alibaba umbrella. But then there's also AliPay. And AliPay was essentially uh, like a like a financial company that basically does financial transactions and so it was hugely popular it kind of spun off into ant financial and it was slated to be the biggest ipo uh, in history and then jack ma at some meeting with uh some government officials and other investors and billionaires like like stood up and started talking about (laughs) how uh how or talking about his opinions against the communist government and his opinions of the banking system, like you said, Aaron, and the way it's regulated and, and sort of his, his opinions of why it's not run the same way. He kind of made it sound like they're anachronistic. So since then, since that, that sort of conference or meeting, he's been in the hiding, he's disappeared. And what's interesting is that he's not the only one. There's three other billionaires, three or four other billionaires that have also gone into hiding. 
That's interesting. So I'm just I'm just reading about this right now. Um, so Alipay took over PayPal as the largest mobile play, uh, mobile payment platform in 2013. So that's interesting because PayPal is massive. Basically, uh, some somebody from another firm. Let me find the name of it. Uh, Primavera Group. The chairman of Primavera Group has come out saying that Jack Ma is safe and sound. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, the guy could be the guy could be hiding in Sri Lanka. You don't even know. Yeah, like, he's just he's gone out of the reach of the Chinese government. I guess. Um, you know what's interesting though is that uh, Jack Ma, like I don't, you probably don't know much about his background, so I'll just kind of give you some some background to you and our listeners here. But he <coughs> is a, a tech. Hey, welcome back, Aaron. He's a tech CEO. Yep. He's a tech entrepreneur, but his background, he was like a teacher. He was just like a school teacher. Wow. And and he doesn't know anything about tech. He's not a tech guy at all. So he's like, he's defied the the, the conventional path of like Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs where they're like, you know, doing the programming themselves and, and coming up with the product. Like this guy didn't do any of that. He was just like a teacher. And then through his brilliant ideas and communicative skills, he just built up this huge empire. I, I don't know if you know, but in China, not even the billionaires are safe. When you speak out against the Chinese government, um, that's one thing I've learned uh, I, from other people in the past. I, I can't remember. There's a lot of stars too, movie stars that spoke out against the Chinese government and they all go in hiding. I've heard stories that, I don't know if you already spoke about this areas, but that he's probably already being detained by the Chinese um, and probably could be in a prison somewhere just, I, I, just with some disciplinary action. But again, this is all hearsay, right? I mean that could be that could be true. I just I, I, I just told Jazz here. There's an article um, from I mean this is a this is a strange paper, RepublicWorld.com. Uh, the chairman from Primavera Group has said that Jack Ma is safe and sound and that he's with them. Whatever that whatever that means. <laughs> but I mean I, I mean that could be fake news, right? And maybe he is detained and the Chinese government is just trying to make it all sound uh, rosy. But but this, I, like it's it's just so yeah go on no sorry i i don't want a tangent from this but this isn't the first time that the chinese government has like suppressed information like this kind of goes back to the covid whistleblower right oh um, now now yeah let, let's let's point out the elephant in the room Jazz. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i just like it just clicked into my head and i'm like wait you guys gotta be heck? careful what if china's listening to this podcast yeah. We don't we don't speak of these things in the, in the Western world about the, the start of COVID. No, no, but I guess <laughs> no, but no, but, but let's get let's get uh, deep and sweaty about this. You know, it's like, yeah. Go on, go on. Well, I mean, so like you know, Aaron, we we were talking about Hong Kong, right? The Hong Kong riots, and like you don't read about that at all, like that. That was going right up until the end of 2019, and then boom, it was gone. And then COVID was there. It was almost like 
I like when I first heard about COVID, I was like, boy, this is China's way of just shutting up the the Hong Kongers. Like this is just like their way of stopping the the protests. Because at that point, China kind of had their hands tied. Like it was either we we send our troops over to Hong Kong and and put our foot down, or we're just gonna let these Hong Kongers take control and do what they want. And then all of a sudden, like magically, COVID appears and. It's like oh. the Hong Kongers just flee back into their homes oh. and like the protests are done, right? That, that's some type of know, theory, Arius. That's a theory. I know it's probably a little conspiratorial, but but it happened. I mean, you can't. <laughs> I didn't even like, think about they it. Were pro- actually... they, they're, they're protesting at one point and then now they're in their homes and it's like, you know, nobody's coming outside. Martial right? like, law. Yeah. Like that's one way, I guess, of controlling your people. Hmm. I never thought about that areas, but that is actually very interesting theory that you've thought about. Like, cause I, I always thought that COVID was released in the world where from China so that China could overtake the U S and I felt like the thing is with China, you have to realize they have a 10 year strategy, right? So China's a, a country where they're not really aggressive in a sense that militarily where they'll, invade you like the u.s u.s will invade countries take their oil and do all types of crazy stuff but china will invade you from within yeah they play the long game yeah they play the long game and i feel like covid was part of their long game like they're like okay when we reach the the 20s in the 21st century you know it's about time that we need to overtake u.s uh in terms of uh being an uh economic powerhouse uh you know and I feel like us entering this new digital revolution, this is the perfect time for them to rise to a power. So them releasing COVID, I always thought that, you know, I knew that the U.S. couldn't bounce back the way Chinese could because, first of all, U.S. doesn't have that type of control over its citizens the way China does. China can lock down the nation because, first of all, it's communism. And the U.S. people are going to speak out more, you know what I mean? And, and, and again, say what you want about the U.S., Yes, the government has control, but we still have fundamental rights. Um, but but you know something sketch is going on in China because like oh, their numbers yeah. are like eighty three thousand in February and then just dropped right off. And I think we talked about this before, um, where there was like there was there's probably a connection to the like the political leaders because the the Wuhan uh, governor got elected. Like there's an election in Wuhan. Like right around that day, and then the moment the new governor came, numbers dropped right off, and like something sketch because there's no way you get like a billion people in that country, and the COVID cases are like eighty three thousand, and then you look at the U S. and like they got three hundred fifty million people, and like the cases are in the millions now. Like what the heck? Honestly, bro, I I completely agree with you. Something is going on inside China, and the truth is we'll never know yeah. because China will never let us know. And here's um, and here's an and but here's another point too. Do you remember when coronavirus first hit? All over the TV and news, there was that that um, that crazy construction for that Chinese hospital in Wuhan. And in yeah, five yeah, days, yeah, in yeah. five days, they were they were building that massive uh, that massive hospital. Oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So and then what? Wait a minute. So like they build this massive hospital in five days. Can you imagine the cost and the construction? And the the expense on the bottom line for what for eighty three thousand cases of coronavirus? I don't think so. Very, very good point. 
Very good point. And you don't hear nothing else about it. Um, no. I, I don't know. You know, China, like I said, something inside China is definitely going on. And I think everybody in the world kind of knows and feels it in the atmosphere. But the truth is, like, you just can't put your finger on what it is is happening. You know what I mean? Because everybody that tries to speak out either gets killed or detained or disappears or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I know. And I think, like, there's definitely something fishy going on like no pun intended but like there's just like when coronavirus first came out everyone's saying like oh it was because of some bat like some dude some random chinese dude ate a bat and it's like bats for centuries which is the funniest (laughs) part yeah well i know and then uh, there there was a um a journalist that was featured on joe rogan uh podcast i think like two or three weeks ago um who had said that they analyzed all the all the different animal species in that area, and none of them match. Like all the like all these animals kind of carry that that uh, that flu virus, that coronavirus, but none of them matched up exactly to what the coronavirus is. So they so he felt like the the conclusion was that it, it never did come from an animal. So. You know, if it came from a lab, because I know that's another theory too. Oh, it was like I, I think that's some where it's test tubes from. dropped. It, yeah, I mean, it could be, but then if it is, why don't we actually like address the problem and but, make sure it doesn't happen again and just like admit, like admit but, that it was a a mistake. Here's the thing, though, Aries, right? I, I, I agree with you. I think it came from a lab, and so either I don't know if it, again, I'm not saying it was released purposefully or maybe it was released accidentally. Who knows? But if you're China, why would you accept responsibility? Because right now, you know how many people have actually died from coronavirus? The concessions yeah. that they would have to, like, say if the world turned their back on China and said, you know what, matter of fact, you have to owe me. Um, you should pay me for the lives that were lost. Like, for example, look at Germany. Look at how they had to pay so much money back to all the nations. And look how many years it took them to rebuild and stuff like that, Right. So you, it, this is a situation. It's just sim- it's not. It's similar to like a war situation, but it's not warlike, if you know what I mean. And I don't think they would yeah. want to take responsibility just for that that simple reason. Like I don't want to pay concessions to nobody's family. Like I already know in the next ten years or five years, I'm gonna be the number one superpower. Like I really believe this is a part of their agenda, and I think I personally think we're gonna see. China rise, like I said, above the U.S. because their middle class is, is about to overtake the U.S. And the minute that happens, that's it for the U.S. I'm not saying the U.S. is going to automatically just collapse because Rome doesn't just collapse like that, right? Yeah. It takes time to fall. They'll, they'll still be very powerful. But I do believe this is a part of the, the long-term plan. But going back to what you were saying, Arias, about the coronavirus, I never thought about this, but going back to what you were saying, it just dawned on me that they released it to take control of Hong Kong. That is so interesting because if you think about it, they didn't even have to like the Hong Kongers, they tried to put up a fight, but there was no fight because martial law was imposed due to coronavirus. You know what I mean? Like what could have really been done? You know what I mean? The U S couldn't do anything, you know, like it's, it's, it's really interesting theory. And I think, you know, I think we should even post that on Reddit and see what people think, like, and get some comments or even on our um, our, our social media, because 
I would have never thought about that. Like even Hong Kong, like being shut down and being released of a coronavirus being released on purpose um, due to China to do that. Or maybe it's even both of our theories combined. You know what I mean? Could be. I mean, who knows? I think, well, I don't know if we'll ever know, but it's definitely something to, to analyze. Like there's, the thing, the thing with the news is that it's so always one story, you know, it's like, it's the same story over and over and over again. No one actually yep. looks at the big picture. Like, let's like, let's take a look at all the different relations, like the political relations between these countries, right? Cause there's more happening than just like us and China relations. You got Hong Kong in there, you got Taiwan in there, you got India in there, you got the European union in there. Like everybody's got their dirty hands crisscrossing over each other. And so, yeah, like there's a lot going on and, and we know the, the tension between China and Hong Kong. It's been there for like decades. It's always sort of been in the shadows too, because ever since the British gave up Hong Kong back to the Chinese, it's like, it's this very awkward thing for the Hong Kongers because like they want to have democracy, but then they're controlled by a communist government like it's very it's very strange don't you think there's also that possibility where china's trying to avoid people pointing the finger being like oh covid is a chinese thing all chinese people are terrible and then causing this whole racism spike (laughs) i think uh, yeah i i i mean i think it's in their culture not to always admit that they're wrong or yeah like if they don't know it they just don't admit it if that makes yeah. sense and you mind if i pivot boys a little bit yeah yeah go ahead i gotta not to keep to keep us too long because i know you've been recording for a while but um what do you guys think about biden coming into office just around local news and canceling the keystone pipeline and the reason why i ask is this is going to be a huge issue for canadians especially albertans who've been suffering and been taking a beating in their economy. However, I understand the natural um, effect and the disasters that could happen um, from creating Keystone Pipeline in terms of, say, if there was a spill. And I do, I've read an article where, you know, pulling oil from the sands um, is more pollution over the term of the, the, the barrel, the lifetime of a barrel, do uh, compared to conventional methods but more importantly what's going to happen to canada's economy especially seeing how we're so reliant on you know we're, we're so reliant on oil based or we're such an oil based economy like areas and just what do you think will be the future of canada in terms of business do we you know change and we we we, we develop uh we surround our economy around a different natural resource do we probably put uh, become a shipping economy where we I, I read an article where Canada could be the next economic powerhouse if we build a shipping center in the Arctic because that's a new passageway um, or you know like what happens to Canada now you know what I mean so so Aaron uh, just to maybe a little bit of a a comedic sense factor does this mean I should like take all my stocks out of Enbridge and all the oil <laughs> Honestly, brother, I, I Man, you should take it out a while ago. A while ago, yeah, I was about to say the same thing, bro. Like that's having oil stocks right now is probably not the best thing because, the, the, especially what what with 
Biden is saying, like he's he's telling you, he's telegraphing, letting you know on the first day of office, um, he's going to have an executive order. I saw it on the news today, breaking news, that he's going to cancel the Keystone Pipeline. And I said to myself, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I don't know. This one is kind of weird for me because I have friends that live out West and they depend a lot on this, but I understand why, you know, the governments and why certain activists don't want it to happen because yes we have to push clean emissions forward mm-hmm. we have to have a clean environment yes i get it you know what i mean but at the same time the here and now we have all this resource and we're not going to use it like i just feel like it's going to kill alberta's economy unless they diversify somehow and it's going to affect the entire um canada's entire economy as well so what does the future of economics looks like and business for Canada, you know what I mean? Like, what what are some other ways we can diversify our our, our businesses and our services um, from things that we have? Uh, I guess you would say abundance of, you know, resources. Here's my here's my opinion. We have an abundance of space and just land that yeah. is absolutely useless. <laughs> like it's uninhabitable <laughs> land, but. If you could build warehouses and create computer storage, like off, like servers, like off, uh, what do you call it? Off location servers. I, I'm not saying that right. I mean, Jazz, you can get the right wording for me. But like basically big servers that hold information, that store data up in up in the north because it's cold and and computers and servers run better in cooler conditions lots of space big buildings we can be like the data center of the world and we can just hold all this information for other clients and people and countries there you go that That is an interesting business idea what about you running for prime minister next year (laughs) you know that would actually be a cool idea just because when you think of Canada, we don't really have a lot in, say, of tech, right? We have BlackBerry, we have Shopify, but oh, if Blackberry. we were, <laughs> listen, we they're, <laughs> they're going up. They're like 13 or 14 <laughs> bucks right now. So it's not too bad, but, <laughs> but no, you're like something like storage, like cloud storage providers or something like that definitely would be a great option. I think a lot of organizations these days, now that they're going remote, they don't really need anything on prem. Most of this stuff can move move to the cloud. So, that's right, man. That's our, that's our new resource space. That's our resource. But that is resource. interesting. <laughs> but I, I I agree with the point that um, I think renewables is the future, right? Like the thing is, oil is such a a pollutant. The the whole mining process itself is such a pollution. Um, it causes a lot of pollution. Sorry, that renewables is is kind of the way to go like we've seen a lot of new cars coming out that are electric um and they're just as capable as a as a oil or gasoline powered car so can, can i interject something here just again sure there there's a big mi- misconception in popular culture that electric cars are cleaner than oil-based cars and here's the reason why i'm going to interject the amount of energy it takes to make the yep, batteries okay. for those cars in mm-hmm. Africa, right? I knew you were going to say this. Yep, keep going. Right? Is more, <laughs> is more. It has more pollution yep. than the life of an oil-based car, and this is what the media doesn't talk about. And I feel like 
they silence anybody that talks about this. And this is why I'm saying I believe that Canada and the U.S. should deal with the here and now. We have all this oil. Why not adopt a strategy like, um, what do you call it there, uh, Norway, where, okay, you want to go to clean energies, you pump the gas, you keep a reserve. So what they've created is a royal reserve for their country where they um, give an incentives to, I believe, their citizens to go electric, but they still pump gas, send it out to the world, and the money that they get back, they invest it in clean energy. So you're telling me we shouldn't use the oil that we have, Jusikin, and we're sitting on so much of it? See, that's... You know, go, yeah, go on, Arius. I, I mean, well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the Alberta economy. Like, they've, they've suffered for a long time, mm-hmm. at least from my understanding. Like, when, when was that, that oil crash? Like, yeah... You guys remember the oil crash? I'm not talking about one in 2020 when it was like negative. Oh, that was no. also really bad. But the, before that, like a few years ago, 2014, 2015, I yeah, think it was. Yeah. yeah, when the yeah when the oil bubble popped, and that was pretty devastating for Alberta. Like a lot of people were getting laid off. Um, yeah. And then you had remember that crazy wildfire that happened in. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it? I think it's Red it was Deer. A small place. Red Deer, was it? Yeah. I think it is. Um, I think, well, not, uh, anyways, you guys know what I'm talking about. So, like, all of that. And then and then there's that constant battle between BC and Alberta, right? Like, BC, guys, you're, you're, they're just a bunch of hippies there. <laughs> no, <I mean, laughs> no, they're all nice people in BC for sure. Um, but, like... But BC is just like all about environmentally friendly stuff. Um, they like they like the clean air, and then right beside them, they got Alberta, who's like just pumping out oil out of the ground and, <laughs> and increasing carbon the carbon footprint. Oh, do you remember that story? Do you remember that story like wait like a year or two ago where um, where BC was putting up such a fuss about importing oil from alberta that i'll like one of the towns in alberta said that they're not going to like send oil anymore and they're just going to cut them right off (laughs) and bc was just going to have to like just like suffer with it like i forget i forget what city but maybe it was in vancouver like the mayor was just like complaining that they're not going to ship any more oil anymore but then alberta's like well you guys are always complaining about like the pipelines and stuff yeah, I think I remember that. That that was like a few years back. Yeah, it was. I was. Yeah, I think it was a, a someone from the NDP that spoke out. I can't remember, but and and gas is expensive in Vancouver, which is kind of ironic because they're a lot closer to Alberta than we are to Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still hard to transport it due to the mountains and stuff between Alberta and BC. That's a good so... point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily easier to transport it. Like you, you would you would just take the railway to get it from the Alberta through the prairies into Ontario and the East Coast, but to get it to BC because the the terrain is so treacherous, I think that's why the prices are are hiked, if I'm not mistaken. So so Aaron, what do you think about like these companies like Transalta Renewables and Enbridge transitioning into like air uh, sorry, air, wind energy, and uh, hydroelectric. Honestly, man, from what I've been hearing and what I've been seeing and what I've been studying, it seems like this is the future, whether people like it or not. And 
you know, I feel bad for my friends out West um, because, you know, a lot of them grew up around, you know, the oil sands. And like, I know of some people that didn't even go to school that were working on the oil sands, making 300,000. Like I have a buddy that lives down the street from me, bought his first house. Like, so when I was in university, he bought his first house in Saskatchewan, um, came back to Toronto, bought another house, went back out to Alberta, worked and bought a house out there and got laid off. Yeah. Like it was, it was devastating for him because like, he just bought like so many different houses and he was trying to, I guess, I don't know, maybe turn them into some type of rental slash investment property. And, And this was like coming out of high school, you know? And um, what I've come to realize is that these jobs are not coming back, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this big population of people that are so used to working in the oil sands. My question is to Biden and even the Canadian government, how are you going to re-educate them to put them into renewable energies? Otherwise, you're going to leave a big part of the population behind, you know? Hmm. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think they're going to do much, honestly. I think it's just... Like tit for tat, they take away jobs and add and other jobs them. and replacement. Yeah. yeah. Like I know. Bring, sorry, go ahead, Jess. No, 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 I, I was just gonna say, like, I know a lot of organizations are trying to transition into, into renewables. Maybe, maybe like training their staff and stuff for that migration would be better. Uh, see, this is a thing, though, right? Like you have, okay, so you train your staff. Is it cheaper for you to just bring in somebody new? Or do you train this big workforce? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a lot of questions about the future for the West, because if we're moving away from oil and if Biden is saying what he wants to do is, you know, take the U.S. into um clean emissions and stuff like that and re-enter them the Paris Accord. That means that, like Ari said, we're like the little brother. We're going to follow suit and business and economics going forward is going to look very different in the future. Man, when, when China and India start improving their pollution, then I think maybe it's time to considering it yeah that's a a great point too yeah they're like the they're like the biggest polluters of the world i mean come on we're like we're hardly paying attention to it but like going back to the keystone thing though aaron how much i thought i thought it was pretty well developed like didn't trump sign off on that like at the beginning of his term so like yes he did and then biden's biden's gonna do an executive order to to uh, reverse that so, yeah, but, okay, but how long, how far along have they got with that project? Bro, this is the thing. I, it doesn't even say, I've been looking for articles that actually give you the percentage completion of the project, and it doesn't even say. So, this is why I'm curious why Biden is canceling it if they've already started working on it. So, I have no idea. Do you think he will, though, or do you think it's just talk? Like it's just No, like- he, there's, okay, I have a breaking news from... CBC and many other articles that said that this came from within Biden's uh, circle. So probably one of his advisors, I think, leaked it to the public and confirmed that on the first day he enters office, he's canceling Keystone uh, uh, Pipeline. This is from CBC. So and and they've been fairly accurate with with what they've been calling in the States. As much as I dislike CBC because it's pretty much like it's tied so closely to the government, 
they've been fairly accurate in, in terms of the predictions and when it comes to like you know, the pipeline and things like this. So I don't know. I, I just think it's going to create another problem for Canada and the U.S. because again, U.S. is an oil-based economy. Yeah. When you when you start talking about changing them from oil and turning them into a clean emissions economy, like first of all, people are not good with change. Change takes time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you got to re-educate people. You got to redo a lot of things. Like it, it's going to ca- cause a domino effect, I think. So uh, one thing to note, our Canadian dollar is very, it's dependent on oil, isn't it? It, it used to be. Okay. Um, it's not as much anymore ever since Harper left office. I think the liberals changed uh, our policy around that. Okay, because I was reading some articles where they're saying like this decision can impact the dollar. Um, it, it, it definitely, yeah. yeah, it definitely will impact it, but it's not as as closely tied to the dollar okay. as it was before. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the dollar like there's a lot of factors that affect the dollar, but one of them is just like the export and imports of the country. Yeah. So if if you know if they're not exporting enough oil, then yeah, that could that could affect the dollar. Hmm. Man, uh, Canada Canada's in a rough position, man. I mean, I think I this this is probably good for <laughs> another topic of a podcast. But like, we just like you look you look at our top companies on our like on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Yep. Which is probably like I would say it's the the leading Canadian stock exchange. I mean, most of them are all just resource companies. Like we have, we're we're not diversified at all. We have, yep. we don't have enough tech. We don't have enough healthcare. We don't have enough biotech. We don't have yep. enough, um, whatever. Like, a, you know, on a, the other the other sectors of, um, of the market that I yep. can't think of right now. It's just like mostly resources, and so, yeah, we get our hands tied. Like once all the trees are cut down and all the oil is mined, what next? <laughs> like, you know what? I I think they're gonna try and turn us to a service based economy and stuff like that. But um, this leads me to to ask viewers if you guys have any ideas, business ideas you have around Canada, please let leave it on disseminate uh, Twitter feed or Instagram. We would love to start a new company. I know me, Jazz, and Arius are always talking about business, and um, it, it would be great, uh, you know, just great to get the the brain going and stuff like that. So if you have any ideas uh, regarding how we can start a business in Canada surrounding our natural resources, let us know. Definitely. Man, Arius, you're right. Like, I'm, I'm, like, looking through our stocks and stuff. Most of the top ones are all banks. They're all just like TD, RVC, Royal. Oh, yeah, banks. That's right. Yeah. Banks. And Shopify, right? Yeah, and Shopify. When's the last time a bank's been innovative? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <clears throat> this is kind of sad. Yeah. We're, this is why, honestly, boys, I was watching, um, like I said, I was watching, uh, I read about how, again, Canada might be the next economic powerhouse due to the arctic way in um <laughs> canada the next economic powerhouse no no they're saying because of shipping routes <laughs> shipping routes right oh man yeah okay yeah because they have the you know they have the biggest shipping route in the world right 
they, yeah, they have they have country well that's it that's the point areas they have the, <laughs> the art like if imagine if the, all the ice was to melt in the between none of it there and um what do you call it? the northwest territories you know that they would have the biggest shipping route even bigger than shanghai that if they were to create a uh, um, some type of uh i guess you would say port it'd be the biggest in the world and this I, is I why that. yeah and this is why even russia wants to get a piece of the action because they realize you know who controls the shipping routes kind of controls the the economics of the world because there's more goods are shipped than they are by plane you know what i mean or even by by cars yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so i think i i also call i also i read about it but i also watched a video on um uh jack chapel on youtube i think he's the one who also brought it up a while back just giving him a shout out jack chapel uh, mm-hmm. he spoke about this and uh yeah it's really interesting if you watch his video i think it's it, the 150 year battle for the world's most important trade routes i think that might be it or yeah canada is quietly building a trading empire out of the world that's the one sorry about that okay wow. yeah huh. that's cool man i mean yeah a lot of people don't know that like we have yeah <laughs> But that's if we build a port, though, right? Like, if we yeah. don't build a port, we can have the biggest, I guess you would say, um, laneway or, or waterway. But if there's no port built, then it's just going to waste, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Wow. I mean, maybe maybe we should leave the the, the viewers to all of this. We, we talked about some pretty, pretty interesting topics today, nonetheless. Um, a, lot of, a lot of controversial things with China, but... Um, Guys, what do you what do you guys think? I, I would love to know your thoughts on the topics that we discussed today. Feel free to leave your comments on our Instagram and Twitter at disseminate news, or even email us at disseminate news at protonmail.com. We love to know what you guys think, and hope to see you guys in the next podcast. Thanks a lot. <laughs>